The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here. At Crime Stories, we work so hard every day to stay in touch with you and broadcast our program with the very latest crime and justice news. Crime Stories. Our friends at Sirius XM now making it even easier to get crime stories while so many of us are doing our part to stay home and stay safe. If you don't have a subscription to Sirius XM, here's your chance to listen for free. That's right, free. Just go to SiriusXM.com slash stream free. SiriusXM.com slash stream free. Go now. You can listen through your phone, your computer, your laptop, or any of your connected devices. Don't miss Crime Stories every weekday at high noon Eastern. Sirius XM Channel 111, the Triumph Channel. Free listening runs till May 15. Sirius XM, thank you for being our partner. Does chilling video depict a shadowy figure approaching the car of a 24-year-old school teacher and gunning her down dead? And is her death linked to multiple deaths in San Bernardino. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Is there a serial killer stalking San Bernardino? Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Is there a serial killer stalking San Bernardino. Take a listen first to our friends at LANBC. This is News 4, Jane Yamamoto. We are just in front of Del Vallejo Middle School where the young woman started teaching full-time just two weeks ago. Excited and full of joy, 24-year-old Nancy Magana beaming with pride, documenting her first day as a middle school teacher. She just always made everybody feel 
like welcome and included. Maria Magana holding back tears, talking about her younger sister Nancy, one of four girls in a tight-knit family. A former college soccer player, she put everything on hold after she got pregnant with her son, now five years old. Anywhere that she went, it was kid-friendly because he was coming. She says that was the case Friday night. Nancy and her son went to Dave and Buster's with her boyfriend. Later that night, the three of them were near 30th and Flores Street, parked in his truck, a few blocks away from her parents' home, when police say someone walked up and opened fire just after 2 in the morning. Nancy, the only one shot, was rushed to a local hospital where she died. You are hearing the very latest in the death of this young school teacher with me, an all-star panel. Cloyd Steiger, 36 years Seattle PD, 22 of those in homicide, and author of Seattle's Forgotten Serial Killer, Gary Jean Grant. You can find him at CloydSteiger.com. Professor of Forensics, Jacksonville State University, death investigator, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, forensics expert, Joseph Scott Morgan. Psychoanalyst to the stars, joining us from Beverly Hills, Dr. Bethany Marshall at drbethanymarshall.com. Alexis Terezchuk, crack investigator, investigative journalist for crimeonline.com. But I've just, before I go to you, Alexis Terezchuk, thank you all for being with me. Dr. Bethany, I don't get it. Why? What? To just walk up to this school teacher. And the fact that she videoed her first day when she was going to be a teacher, she's just out of college. She's 24 years old. She's got her little baby boy with her. She and her boyfriend have taken the baby out to Dave and Buster's. They're part about a block from her parents' home. And they're just sitting there talking, probably listening to music in the car before they go in. And somebody walks up. Uh, the reports are a shadowy figure walks up to her and opens fire. Bethany, when I drop the children off for school, there's this one devotion I like to listen to. It comes on at eight o'clock sharp every morning and uh, during the week. And a lot of times I will pull over and hear the last part of the devotion and just sit there and drink out of this thermos of tea as I hear the end. And you're sitting there listening. You're not paying attention to anything around you. Who would come up and shoot this young mom dead in front of her baby? Nancy, in front of her five-year-old child. I have so many questions about this. I'm sick about it, Bethany. Well, let's think about this, Nancy. She was a school teacher. Was there anybody in her class who had any student who had a hateful fixation on her? Was somebody stalking her? Well, um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's a middle school teacher. What, you think the sixth grader is going to have an obsession and stalk her and come out in the middle of the night and shoot her dead in the car? I don't think so. Nancy, Let's get off that theory. Happen. A sixth grader? A sixth no. Grader. My children are started sixth grade at age 11. Let's just statistically. Joe Scott, help me. Help me just knock that theory down. Sorry, Bethany. But a sixth grader is not going to sneak up on her in the middle of the night and shoot her dead. No. No, probably not. But what about angry parents, Nancy? Uh, What about somebody that maybe she has crossed at some point in time? She's interacting with a lot of people if she's a public school teacher. She's a school teacher. It's her first teaching job. What long simmering feud are you talking about, Joe Scott Morgan? Oh, I'm not saying it's a long simmering feud. With a sixth grader. (laughs) Well, it's middle school, Nancy. You've got sixth, seventh, and eighth sometimes. 
So I don't know who she's crossed, but obviously whoever did this was very, very angry and had the guts to do this in a public location. I agree with that. I agree with that. But it'll be a cold day in H-E-double-L that I agree agree that a 24-year-old mom of a five-year-old boy, first teaching job straight out of the gate, She's sitting outside her parents' house listening to the radio with her child and her boyfriend, and she's got some grudge match we don't know about at age 24? I mean, Bethany, I think we need to... You follow your heart, all right? You're the shrink. I'm not. But statistically speaking, I just don't see it. A grudge with sixth graders? She hadn't had time to get the parents mad at her yet. Nancy, I have quite a few friends who are teachers here in Los Angeles. Yes. And it is a scary world out there. Parents are angry. Children are entitled. Um, I've, I've heard quite a few stories about parents being, like, like Joe Scott Morgan said, very angry at teachers if their child is given a bad grade, if they feel their child is being bullied or mistreated. I mean, teachers are on the front line, but if, even if it wasn't simmering resentment on, on behalf of a parent, as you pointed out, she'd only been there for two weeks. She is a beautiful young woman. I don't know if you saw her picture. How long had she been with this boyfriend? Bethany, you know, I always have the picture of a victim right in front of me. And she actually reminds me a great deal of my sister, uh, Mm -hmm. who always grew up with the long, straight hair, parted like Ali McGraw. Do you remember her in Love Story? That's the way she does her hair. My sister looked just like that still does and that's what this yeah actually you know what i'm gonna eat a dirt sandwich please jackie go get me a dirt sandwich i gotta tell you something that happened my nephew that used to live with me and my husband and the twins he got married beautiful young girl they now have a baby she was a substitute teacher and she had a child that would kick and bite and beat Uh, throw himself on the other children so she finally had to pull him away from the other children and put him off in his play area by himself and the mother showed up and got so mad that the way she described it and it's all on video because all the rooms have videos in them at that school she was so mad I thought she was going to attack my my nephew's wife and this was her first substitute teaching job she got so so shaken up by this parent nutting up on her she is now, she went to a different job I, so actually i think you two may be right but let's follow this through to its logical conclusion cloyd steiger 22 years homicide if it is a parent that's angry at this young woman who's her first teaching job Think about it, Cloyd. I don't see the parents stalking her throughout the evening, following them to Dave and Buster's, following them to her parents' home, sneaking up on them as three of them are sitting in the car and shooting one of them. Follow the theory through to the end, Cloyd. I think Joe Scott and Bethany actually have a good point that I was fighting with them over. I don't think that MO, that modus operandi, would work with an angry parent. No, you'd expect, uh, Nancy, that if this was an angry parent. Uh, parent. Uh, first of all, I agree that that does happen that they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, they're right. Yeah, but, yeah, but but 
uh, if you're talking about an angry parent, they're going to be waiting by her car at the school parking lot or in the school or someplace where they know she is. They don't know her enough uh, two weeks in to know where she lives or where her parents live. So that that doesn't seem likely. stories with Nancy Grace. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. We're talking about the cold-blooded killing, apparently, of a 24-year-old teacher sitting in the car with her boyfriend and her five-year-old baby boy. But now we are learning that chilling video has emerged, video that depicts a shadowy figure approaching the car of the teacher, just 24 years old, moments before she is gunned down by what we are now calling, who we are now calling the San Bernardino serial killer, have cops been able to link six other murders to Nancy's murder. Take a listen to our friends at LA NBC News 4. This is Jane Yamamoto. Nancy's son called her his superhero, doing lots of activities from hiking to playing in the snow. It took her a little bit longer, but she graduated. She got her teaching credentials. Achieving her dream, becoming a full-time math teacher and volunteer volleyball coach at Del Vallejo Middle School just two weeks ago, decorating her classroom with her own money to welcome her students. She got, like, little erasers with little quotes on them, any type of way to motivate them to stay in school. The school district says they plan on having their crisis intervention team out here for students and staff tomorrow. Meanwhile, the Magana family still in disbelief. Maria told me she does not believe her sister was targeted because she had no enemies. The family plan on having a vigil in the next hour at their home. Police still have no suspect and no motive for the deadly shooting. A manhunt immediately underway for possible serial killers as authorities in San Bernardino asked the public, begged the public for help in the shooting death of this 24-year-old middle school teacher, her very first job teaching. And let me go out to you, Joe Scott Morgan joining me. And um, Joe Scott, you've worked on so many death cases. I remember as a prosecutor, I mean, we, we made practically nothing, but I wanted to present a great case every trial and we didn't have any money I'd work two night jobs but I would go and spend my own money for posters and magic markers and demonstrative aids whatever I needed to present in front of the jury I remember one of the biggest bills I got I had a guy it was first thought of suicide but gunshot residue proved different um, and this guy had been writing, the perp, had been writing letters to all of his friends. And they were very jocular. Like, hey, keep it cool and don't kill your wife. Signed, Dave. So I subpoenaed, ambushed all these people he'd been writing to for subpoena ducas tecum to hand over documents. And then I blew them up. Big, poster size for the jury to see. To blow all those up at Kinko's. It was like $300, and I remember at the time, I'm like, oh, dear Lord in heaven. But when I think about this woman, this young woman, 24, she fights her way through school. She graduates late, obviously, because she had the baby and was taking care of her son and is spending her own money to decorate the classroom and give all the children little cute erasers and 
That just breaks my heart, Joe Scott. You know how much it costs to decorate a classroom or put on a murder trial? It costs a lot out of your own pocket. You're, you've been a public servant. Uh, yeah, I have. And my wife is a longtime uh, uh, public school teacher as well. And it does cost a lot. But, you know, what you're talking about here, Nancy, when you're talking about blowing these images up, I like to teach my students at Jacksonville State that I teach in forensics. I say, listen, you have to understand, not only are you an investigator, you're a historian. There's no one else there that will document this case and and literally honor the memory of the individual that has passed away. So every bit of evidence that you collect is almost like you're, you know, you're like an archaeologist. You're preserving the past here, that moment time that's frozen, those images that you capture at the scene, the evidence that you capture, because, you know, you can't transport a jury out there in real time to that exact moment time and you freeze it. And then you put it before the jury and you see the pain and the suffering that went on, all of the blood, all of the evidence, and it captures it just for a moment. And you remember the sacrifice that this woman made in her life for these kids that she was teaching. And for her own child. Um, to Alexis Tereschuk, CrimeOnline.com, investigative reporter. Alexis, I mean, I could go on and on and on about this young lady and her son now not having a, a, a mom. What's going to become of him? Starting her first teaching job. But I want to get to the facts because the only way this case will ever be resolved and bring some, some degree of peace to her son as he grows up. Let's start at the beginning. Tell me what happened the night that Nancy Magana was murdered. So Nancy and her boyfriend and her five-year-old go to Dave and Buster. Um, I guess, I hope our Buster viewers know what that is, but you know what it is? It's a super fun family restaurant. They have video games for kids. They have chicken wings. They have food, you know, they have sodas. They have stuffed animals. It's a really fun, wholesome family place to go. So they leave there. They go drive home. They pull over about a block or two away from her parents' house where she lives with her little boy. And he is actually asleep in the car. He's, and they are just talking in the parking lot. Nothing's going on. There are no, like, calls to the police of disturbance of them yelling or fighting or anything. They're just hanging out together. All of a sudden, a car pulls up near them. Now, this was caught on surveillance video that the police have. And it's a light-colored sedan. And it pulls up kind of near them. And then on the camera, you see a shadow. So it looks like a man approaching the car who's right up to the car and opens fire on to Nancy and kills her. Alexis, I am looking right now at the video. We got it from KTLA Channel 5. They first broadcast it and we've posted it at CrimeOnline.com. Jackie, let's make sure that our listeners can look at the video too. And it's just like you're saying. You see and it is a sedan. I can tell it's a four-door, light-colored. It has a moonroof. I'm seeing that for the first time. And it jacks up in the back. It's cut off. You know how the, I guess, a Civic used to do? Brett, do you remember those? And just go straight up the back? Um, I can't tell the make, but I do see exactly what you're saying. A light-colored sedan chopped straight up off at the back, four-door, and I actually can see the light inside the car where the person, it looks like, puts it in park. Because you see movement. 
and Alexis, what do you see after the car pulls up? I'm seeing it as far as getting put in park. Then what happens? They leave the lights on, by the way, which is a good thing for us. Go ahead. It's really scary to think that you can just be there in the car with your boyfriend. Your boyfriend. You think you're safe with this person and your child, and somebody just opens fire on you. And the scary thing the police said, they had no words when this person walked up to the car. Now, we cannot see this in this video. There's not sound. But the police say there were no words exchanged. Guys, you can see that video at crimeonline.com. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Thank you for being with us, everybody. We are analyzing the shooting death of a young mom, a school teacher starting her first job only two weeks into the semester. The San Bernardino police desperately searching for who they now believe is a serial killer. The video that emerged shows a shadowy figure pulling up in a light-colored four-door sedan, getting out, approaching Nancy's car where she's sitting with her boyfriend and her five-year-old son and opening fire. Interesting, the boyfriend and the son are not harmed. Now, typically that would make me look at the boyfriend first. Why? Uh, because he is unscathed, he is unharmed, the, the baby is unharmed. Or do I have that wrong? Alexis Terezchuk, joining me, CrimeOnline.com, investigative reporter. Was the boyfriend wounded in any way? I believe he was wounded and he went to the hospital, but he is fine. I don't, I, I think that more than one shot was fired in this car and I think that he was grazed, but I, he did not die. Now, it, it, is it possible that the victim knows the killer is it an old boyfriend is it an ex uh, all we know about the man with her was that that was her boyfriend now why is it to dr bethany marshall that we would look at an ex or a love interest in the past first well the reason we look at and when somebody is killed we look at their most intimate partners because it is in the context of our attachment systems that we have our strongest emotions that could propel us towards homicide. So resentment, jealousy, envy, abandonment, rage. It's very rare for a stranger just to decide to attack another person. Although I was thinking about the DC snipers, um, Mohammed, uh, Boyd Melbo, where they attacked in pairs and they seem to pick their victims randomly. But you always start with the person's most intimate circle because that's where homicidal feelings emerge. I agree with you. And, Cloyd Steiger, isn't it true that statistically when there is a killing, it's someone you know, someone close to you? Now, when I say close to you, I don't necessarily mean your husband, although they're a perfect candidate, or boyfriend. It could be somebody with, that has been obsessed on you at work. It could be the delivery boy. It could be the next door neighbor. Uh, we've seen that in multiple cases where a neighbor is watching the victim day in, day out, and then attacks and kills them. But statistically, it's someone in your inner circle, Cloyd. Yeah, yeah almost always. I mean, 90% of the time, that's why, uh, you know, 
innocent people are rarely killed, but they are sometimes. Uh, there's a lot of different things. Did you just say right. innocent Most people are rarely killed? Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, people who really didn't put themselves in a position to get killed are rarely murdered. No, whoa, 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 whoa. What? People who don't put like themselves in a position to be killed rarely get murdered? All I know is my fiance was out in the middle of a rural area on a construction site when he was murdered. This woman is sitting in a car outside her parents' home, minding her own business when she's murdered. Um, I don't don't even know what you're saying. You sound like you're blaming the victim to me, that they put themselves in the spot. What the hell are you saying? No, statistically, most people, because they're doing drugs or prostitution, statistically, most do. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I got to disagree with that. Joe Scott Morgan, in all the cases I prosecuted, yeah, all my murder victims were not nuns and priests and virgins. I'll give you that much. I have one lady that uh, beaten and, and dies of smoke inhalation when her mansion was burned. She was asleep in bed. I had another guy that was running from his killer who he owed $10. I mean, I, I've got to disagree with that. I had one woman who's in her own home and her husband was convinced she was dating somebody else, but she wasn't. He shot her in her own bed. I don't think those people put themselves in a position to get murdered. Joe Scott Morgan. Most of the time they don't, Nancy. I have to say, though, uh, that uh. You've, you've hang on. You've kind of given us a clue here, though. Uh, we, we've kind of danced around this quite a bit. One of the things that we're not talking about here is the neighborhood that they're in. Remember what you had said. She was outside her parents' home. Okay, now hold on. That, One minute. Suggests, she was a couple of blocks yeah. away outside Delman Heights Recreation Center. So she wasn't directly outside their home. She was, at, it looks like to me, Alexis, a cul-de-sac where the car pulled. Was that like a cul-de-sac area at near the parents' home? It's, it's, just blocks away from the parents' home. It's like she said, the rec center, but there's a park, and so it's sort of a, a, a park nice area. Interesting. Yeah. That goes back to what Joe Scott Morgan is saying, guys. In addition to where the murder occurred, maybe it had nothing to do with Nancy herself. Maybe it had to do with something else. Uh, what more do we know about her? Take a listen to our friends at LA CBS Two reporter Greg Mills. A woman so full of personality and life, killed at the age of 24. She was always just so happy, and she always just found the good in everything. A single mom, her world revolved around her five-year-old son, Pablo. She went into teaching partly because it allowed her to be home with him late afternoons and evenings. I got you. Not that these adventurers stayed home all that much. We all would just take trips together. Like, hey, you guys want to go up to Yosemite? Hey, do you guys want to go to Sequoia? You know, we were going to go to the Grand Canyon and go hike the Grand Canyon. Nancy was just two weeks into her first year of teaching here at Del Vallejo Middle School in San Bernardino. She loaded up on supplies to make her math classroom very welcoming to her students. She would make the kids feel special individually, not just as a class. Friday night, Nancy and her boyfriend took Pablo out for a night of fun. Late that night, the three of them in her boyfriend's truck, Pablo most likely asleep. Nancy had driven, so she was in the driver's seat. Somebody shot her through the driver's side window. Everybody just loved her, so it it doesn't make any sense. You know, when it doesn't make sense, that means you need to break it down and start over. Maybe this is not about her at all. Uh, You know what? As much as I came down on him, Cloyd Steiger 
I'm trying to make everybody on this panel speak the truth to me because you all have so much expertise. When you say victim put themselves in the position, I don't like that. But is the location where they were sitting important? Not that she is a bad person, but the location. Maybe there is something to what you're telling me. And then the case suddenly moves forward, 90 MPH. Take a listen to a San Bernardino Police Department press conference. The San Bernardino Police Department received a call of a head-on traffic collision at Cajon and Darby Street. While officers were en route, additional calls were received of shots heard in the area. Minutes later, officers arrived on scene and discovered a red Toyota Camry with the rear window shot out and the driver suffering from a gunshot wound. Also located in the back seat was an infant, Decora Page, who had sustained major trauma as a result of the traffic collision. Both the driver and infant were transported to a local hospital. The driver survived his injuries. However, Page did not. Okay. Hold on just a moment. So now, on the heels of Nancy's death, we have another incident where a red Toyota Camry was approached. The window shot out. They go for the driver. The driver survives, but the baby in the back seat does not. Alexis Teresa, what happened? So, a man, he was only 20 years old, the trail case. He is driving down the street in San Bernardino. Another car pulls up. And he is shot in the back of the head with his baby in the back seat. There's just two people killed right in front of their children. Well, I'm sorry, he actually, so he is shot in the back of the head. His car crashes, and the crash is so severe that the baby was right in the back seat is killed. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, uh, we are talking about a potential serial killer stalking San Bernardino. Thank you for being with us. So far, we have a 24-year-old teacher dead, shot in her car in front of her 5-year-old son and boyfriend. And we're picking her apart and her past, her history, now her location. But as Cloyd Steiger points out, maybe it's something completely different has really nothing to do with her at all. There's no connection that police could uncover between her and the second shooting victim. This is what I like to do in analyzing a case, compare cases for every minute similar detail, both in their vehicle, both in San Bernardino, both driving with a, a child in the car, both had the windows up, both attacked by someone else in a vehicle that gets out of the vehicle and approaches the victim. The similarities are beginning to line up to show a serial killer stalking San Bernardino. I want you to take a listen now to San Bernardino Police Department. Um, Jackie, I want to cut forward to KTLA. This is news reporter Cut 7, Carlos Sacedo. Take a listen to this. In a parking lot near 30th and Flora Streets, police say surveillance video shows a white sedan pulling into a parking lot before the shooting suspect gets out and fires into another vehicle, killing a woman. The victim, 25-year-old Nancy Magana, a middle school teacher. She was sitting in a truck with her boyfriend and 5-year-old son when it happened. 
no words were exchanged between the victim, Magana, and that vehicle, and somebody walked up on that car and opened fire on the driver's side, striking her. A month later, a man crashed his car after he was shot and wounded. The impact killed Decoro Page, the man's infant son riding in the back seat. Then last month, four men were shot, three of them fatally. On January 19th, Lehman Hamilton and Jesus Valencia were struck in the middle of Baseline Street. Hamilton died of his injuries. Two days later, Daniel Melendez and Israel De La Torre were shot and killed on the 1400 block of North Grand Avenue. Guys, how many people have died at the hands of this serial killer? Dr. Bethany Marshall, a psychoanalyst, they think of serial killers as someone who sneaks into your house in the middle of the night and strangles a woman with a stocking. Or we think of Ted Bundy or uh, Wayne Gacy. This is completely different MO. Serial killing by shooting. None of these victims are connected to each other. That means it's not someone from their past, like an old boyfriend or lover. No, these people are unconnected. What does this MO tell you about the killer? Nancy, I've been racking my brain to think about all of the stories we've covered over the years with men killing in pairs and usually at a, some distance from the victim. Usually the victims are picked randomly. I'm thinking about the DC sniper. Uh, there was another case, I think in Texas, where people were randomly shot um, from a distance, like a woman on a park bench. I think of the DC sniper case, somebody was just pumping their gas in their car, a woman was in a parking lot. The MO tells me that it may be two men, men traveling in a pair, a stronger, older male recruiting a younger, more vulnerable male, a thrill kill aspect to the killing, meaning they're getting themselves excited and working themselves up into a frenzy. Picking vulnerable populations in that, that these victims all seem to be in cars, either driving or parked somewhere. And because uh, the first one is at close range, but we don't know about the others, there's kind of a fish in a barrel quality, like um, not always wanting to see the whites of the eyes of the victims, sort of wanting to be sneaking up on them uh, in an unsuspecting way, especially since this one victim was shot in the back of the head, which means that somebody had to have pulled up behind his vehicle in order to shoot him. So, you know, the aspect of closeness versus distance, maybe Joe Scott Morgan could speak to that, but definitely there's a thrill kill aspect to this. Guys, we are analyzing a series of shooting deaths in the San Bernardino area, starting with a 24-year-old school teacher that we know of. Have there been other victims of this serial killer that have not been attributed to him? And Joseph Scott Morgan, uh, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, and author, I say him because this is uh, screams out to me that it is a male perp on, on many different levels. Explain how you would analyze the scene to connect these killings, obviously beyond the fact that a similar weapon may have been used. Well, one of the things that, that uh, myself and certainly people like Cloyd uh, would, would engage in with this is something that's referred to as geographic profiling. And the idea is, where are these events taking place? You know, what, what type of, of, uh, of connectivity do we have relative to roadways, neighborhoods, 
this sort of thing, accessibility in order to facilitate this. You know, we've got two so far that that we've really dug into here where one was uh, adjacent to a roadway where uh, we had this beautiful young woman who was shot you know they have an ability to escape and then we had this horrible event which I, I saw the videotape on this this is absolutely horrendous uh, where uh, this this uh, father is shot in the head and survives miraculously and his baby is killed and that really gives us an indication you know so what what do we have here relative to uh, the connectivity between all of these victims and accessibility uh, to them? And that's one of the things that we'd be looking at beyond just the basic forensic stuff like uh, what type of weapon are being used? You know, what type of rounds have been recovered from the scene that we can tie back to a single weapon, perhaps? The first thing I would do, Cloyd Steiger, 36 years Seattle PD and author, is analyze, if you can get them, the bullets, which I'm sure that you can as these victims were shot in an enclosed area, the car. So the bullet will either either be found in their body or somewhere in the vehicle. The first thing is a ballistics test, which will show you if the bullets were all fired from the same gun based on the striation marks on each bullet. Every gun is unique, like a fingerprint. The way that the metal on the inside of the barrel cools as the gun is made leaves little marks inside the gun as the bullet hurls down the barrel with such force, with such velocity, it gets marks on it. The bullet that can only come from that particular gun. So the bullets from each case can be compared microscopically and determine if it comes from the same gun. Then it's a matter of finding that gun before it gets broken down and disposed of and firing a test round from that gun to see if your bullets get the same striation marks. Number one, I look for fingerprints on the car. Did the perp rest fingerprints if they're right-handed, left fingerprints and shoot or no? Um, also, surveillance video in all of these areas. I want you to take a listen to San Bernardino Police Department press conference as they are taking a long look at another of the victims, Lamont Hamilton. Listen. Lamont Hamilton, on Sat Sunday, January 19th of this year, at approximately 0600 hours, the San Bernardino Police Department received a call of a man down near Spruce and Meridian. When officers arrived on scene, they found 24-year-old Lamont Hamilton down in the middle of the street suffering from a gunshot wound. Evidence collected at the scene suggested there had been an exchange of gunfire. A short time later, Colton Police Department advised that they were out at the same hospital with a shooting victim. The second shooting victim was identified as 20-year-old Jesus Valencia, who lives near the area where Hamilton had been shot. Seems to me that one of the victims tried to run, tried to get away. I'm not sure how that went down, but I know this. These victims are not connected. We are waiting right now for news. We understand that there has been an apprehension in the case of Detrell Page, just 21 years old. Is it the right guy? Is he possibly linked to all of these murders? And if so, why? We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. From BBC Radio 4, 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's Best Hybrid Mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner.